And don't you praise God for what he's done. Your sins are forgiven. Your future is heaven. We have a good father. I know, I know, I know. Every church in the world is saying today that Jesus, God has the good, good father. But I'm going to repeat it. He's a good, good father. We sing the song for a reason. We have a good father. And I'm so excited to be able to uh, just jump in today with you. I'm going to start off John chapter 17. Uh, Jen, then I'm going to pray as soon as we finish reading John 17, 15 through 19. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. For their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are gracious, kind, loving, just, holy, righteous. You're glorious. We do praise you for what you've done. We're thankful for heaven. We're thankful that you are our Father. Lord, I pray that you would be with us today. Lord, help us to draw closer together towards you. Help this wonderful body of believers to draw closer together. And then together, Lord, I pray that they would draw closer to you through today. Lord, we're thankful for all the wonderful things that's going on in our community. And we're thankful for all the wonderful things that's happening here. Lord, and I'm especially thankful for the wonderful coffee. It is so good. It is amazing. Lord, week after week after week, you bless us with good coffee. The sun rises and we have good coffee, and we are thankful for those things. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Man, my name's Jason. If I haven't met you, I, I feel like I know most of you now. I feel a little bit like family with you guys. I'm excited to be able to talk to you today and just spend some time with you. And I'm beginning to feel like family, and so um, the reason I feel like family is family makes fun of each other. You know what I mean? Like they, you, as a family, you can say things that no one else can say. Well, a couple weeks ago, we were uh, finishing up the music, and I was in the the I was reading the sheet, and I had the the list wrong, and I wasn't sure when I was supposed to go out. And these guys were up here just crushing it, doing an amazing job, and I also did not realize that my mic was on. And so uh, some of the worship team came over to the side, and I looked down, and I meant to ask them in a very kind way, like, hey, is that it? Like, was that the last song? Am I supposed to be out there right now? But what you all heard in the entire auditorium was me say, hey, is that it? <laughs> and then I had to, like, run up here and be like, I'm Jason, the guy who just bashed the worship team. Let's open the Bible. So when I came in this morning, I knew I was among family because a whole bunch of you started asking me, hey, is that it? As soon as I walked in. It made me feel like I'm at home because at Church in the Wild, I get made fun of a lot for stuff like that. Man, this, this passage is, is one of the most important passages. In fact, um, Augustine, early church leader, said that John's gospel is deep enough that an elephant can swim in it, but shallow enough that an infant will not drown. And Martin Luther, who was one of the leaders of the Protestant Reformation, said that if the rest of the Bible was destroyed, but we had John and Romans, the church would be able to survive. And John 17 is referred to as the holy of holies of the gospel of John. It is a very powerful, very kind of sacred moment, a very beautiful and pure moment where God the Son, 
Jesus is speaking to God the Father, and I can't think of a better Father's Day than for us to talk and learn and gather together and talk about Jesus the Son praying to God the Father. And as he's praying him, he's doing a couple things. And the very first thing that we see he's doing is he is sending the church out into the world to share the gospel. And this is as true for us as it was for the early church. We are sent into the world. You and I have been given the beautiful, wonderful opportunity to be sent into the world just like the Father sent the Son into the world. See, I think we, we so often we get like this negative, oh, God wants me to go do this. He's giving you the opportunity to live like the Son by sending you into the world around you. In fact, if you're a Christian, you are sent into the world. I firmly believe that every Christian is sent, and then we all have specific sendings within that framework. So I know I do not look like it, but I used to play soccer. Uh, that, was a lot of, that was a lot of pounds ago and many, many years and a couple of old knees ago. But in soccer, we all played soccer, but we were sent onto the field to certain specific areas. And since I was short and not very athletic, but I was really good at getting in the way and annoying people, I was sent to play defense. And because I could not kick the ball at all, uh, but I could definitely bother people, I was sent to play right in the middle and just follow one of their better players around the midfield and just annoy him. Now, I was sent to play soccer, but I was sent to the midfield as a defensive player. You and I are sent into the world, and you and I have specific, unique sendings. Your sending is unique to you. Your job is unique to God sending you. Your calling is unique to Him sending you. So we have to ask ourselves first, is it God that's sending me or is it me that's sending me? Because I think this can get confusing because a lot of times we blame God for a lot of things. I haven't pastored a long time, but I've been told some amazing things that got blamed on God by people. Hey, I think God's telling me to do this. I'm like, I don't know that He is. I'm not sure that that's God's plan for you. So we have to ask ourselves, is God sending us or am I sending myself? Well, how do we do that? Well, we check it with Scripture. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, that's not the sending of God. I'll say it to you like this. Someone recently said to me, hey, I think that God is telling me to leave my family at home, and I'm going to go to the beaches during spring break, and I'm going to be a missionary to the girls on the beach. I don't find that in the scripture. Like Jesus didn't say to Peter, and you I send to the spring breakers. He didn't do that, right? So sometimes we have to really think, is this God sending me or is this me sending myself? Put it in a little bit more serious way. I don't know that the scripture is telling you that that one coworker who's half your age and understands you but your wife doesn't. I'm not sure that God is specifically sending you to spend a lot of time with that one coworker because, well, you're the only one who can reach her. She might need reached, but maybe you could send another coworker who's also a Christian, right? There is some scripture that has to be fulfilled within the framework of our sending. And so we can check it with the Word of God. We can, the Bible says, 1 John 4, 1, test the spirits. But we can also check it with the people of God. 
If God's sending you, then you won't be afraid to ask the leadership of the church their opinions and thoughts and ideas on how to do it. Not YouTube. I'm not against YouTube. We have a YouTube channel at our church. We have a podcast at our church. I'm in the very beginning of writing a book. I would love for you to subscribe to all these things and buy the book someday, but please do not do so instead of listening to Pastor David and the leadership of this church on what God has for you. See, God has a plan and it's unique to you and this church is unique to you. And so just listening to seven different YouTube preachers and then finding one that agrees with you and then doing whatever it is you wanted to do in the first place is not what I'm talking about here. So if God is sending us, how do we respond? If the creator of the universe is is sending us into the world to share the gospel with those around us, how do we respond to that? I think there's two ways that we can respond and then there's a way that I think God wants us to respond We can respond out of fear. We can respond out of fear. See, a lot of times when God sends us, He doesn't tell us the results. See, God doesn't say to you, hey, I want you to lead a small group, and by the way, here's everything that's going to happen along with that small group. What does He do? Hey, I want you to lead a group because I am the Lord your God, and so I'm going to equip you and I'm going to help you do that. Often in our lives, we become so afraid to do what it is because, honestly, we live in a very comfortable culture, and so things that are difficult, we don't really want to do very much anymore. But you think about the early church, every Christian in the early church was a missionary, and all of their sendings was different, and they were all difficult. He sent Ananias to Saul, so he sent Ananias to reach one person, and that was difficult. And then he sent Saul to reach all of the Gentiles, many people, and that was difficult. Some invest in one, some in many. God is asking us to do both, and both are difficult. So you may have a coworker who's just, everyone else says they're too far gone, and God is sending you to that one person. Don't allow fear to stop you from going. Don't allow fear to stop you from sending that invite. Most of God's sending is difficult. But I think the other way often many of us respond is out of foolishness. Foolishness. Uh, We often will just do things, no thought process, no planning, no whatever. And and we love to say super spiritual things at this point. Like, well, we don't want to organize the Holy Spirit out of the building. That's such a Christian thing, and it's not biblical. You know the most organized building in the Bible was where the Holy Spirit lived in the Old Testament? It was organized down to the weight of the ounce of gold in the curtain rods. That's how organized it was. And the Spirit had freedom within that structure. So we're not just going to go rushing out and do some things without speaking to anyone and without getting some infrastructure and planning and thought process. I think every pastor in America tells this story at least twice. Okay, so this is my second time. You are my second time telling this story. I get my quota and then I get done with this. Because every pastor I've ever heard has told this story. But there was a man on the roof of a house and there was a flood. And the house was was coming apart and there was just water rushing at him. And a coast guard pulled up and they had a boat and they said, hey, jump in the boat. And he said, oh, no, no, God's going to save me. And they're like, okay. And they left. And then another boat came by just as the water was nearly to the top of the house. Like, jump in the boat, we'll save you. He said, no, no, God's got me. And they're like, "Uh, okay. And they left. And then the house was just starting to crumble. He was just barely floating in the water and a helicopter flew over with a lifeline and they said, climb on, we'll rescue. He said, no, no, God's got me. 
And then he woke up, and for some reason in this story, it's always Peter who meets us at the pearly gates. I don't know why, but it is. And he said to Peter, why didn't God save me? And he said, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Why didn't you get on those? God has given you beautiful community called Covenant Church. And this community can help you in your sending if you're wise enough to be a part of the community so that your sending is not you out alone in isolation trying to do things on your own. I mean, think about, he says that the evil one is after him. And we often in the Bible call the evil one a roaring lion. How, why do lions roar? Lions roar to scare animals. And as they separate, the lionesses attack from the other direction, the ones that are isolated. His plan is to isolate you. And so we're not encouraging you. I'm not encouraging you today to just abandon church. Well, I got to go. I'm going to be sent into the world. So every Sunday for the rest of my life, I'm going to sit down out in the street somewhere with people and I'm never going to go to church. I got this on my own. That is foolishness. We need each other. But how does he send us? He sends us with faith, with faith. We must go into the world. I mean, look around. The world is dark. The world is broken, and you have the answer in the person of Jesus Christ. So we're not just going to go blindly rushing off, and we're not going to be too afraid to go, but we must obey the calling of Christ, and we must go into the world and spread the gospel. So He makes us saints, He makes us sent, and then He makes us saints. This is so important, and, and honestly, I, I had a mental image when I heard the word saint that popped into my mind. You probably do too, and there's a couple of them. There's the New Orleans Saints, the football team, right? There's the naked baby on a cloud playing a harp. Like, that's typically what we associate here in America with saints. I had this mental image of my grandma. She has this, uh, this quilt over her knees. She's got a Bible the size of Texas. She's got a cup of warm water because she drank nothing but water, and she's, she's knitting something, and she's going, Harold, because my grandpa's saying a curse word. That's what I instantly think of when I hear the word saint. Or, I don't know why this one is a mental image of mine, but for some reason, when I hear the word saint, I think of a very old gentleman with a long beard who's very skinny. He's, he's got a Bible beside him. And he looks like he's eating a bowl of lentil beans. I have no idea why in my mind he's eating lentil beans. But when I hear the word saint, I'm like, well, that's not me. I'm not him. But the truth is you and I are the saints. You don't become a saint when you step into heaven. The church are saints. You and I are saints. We are saints. Why? Because we're sanctified. Jesus asked the Father to sanctify us. And so, as we look at our lives, we realize that being sent is our activity, but it is not our identity. Being a saint is our identity. And this is very important. John, who writes John's gospel, never mentions his own name in the entire gospel. And he rarely mentions anything that he does. Why? How does John often refer to himself in the Gospel of John? He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loves. Do you know what he's doing? He is pointing out that you and I are not human doings, we are human beings. 
your activity for God is not your identity. And some of us need to be reminded of that regularly. We are not identified by how well we do something for God. Your identity in Christ is not limited to the size of your small group. It is not limited to how well you sing. It is not limited to how well you do something or how many hours you put in. Your identity in Christ is that He has sanctified you and made you whole. You are, to use a more common word, saved, born again. That is your identity. And as we go out into the world, that is our activity. We are saints and we are sanctified. And this is where I want to begin to point this towards something. We're sanctified and in this passage, in this holy of holies in the, in the New Testament, God the Son has this very pure conversation with God the Father. And he says to the Father, will you please sanctify them? I mean, think about this. This is, a, this is a son having a conversation and asking something good from his dad. I loved watching David and Cohen up here, and they were reading the Scriptures, and I started thinking about that. Man, God is such a good Father. He's such a good Father. And if we ask Him to help us go into these very difficult sendings into a very broken and difficult world... He will help us because He's a good Father. I am on my best day an average dad, completely honestly. On my best day, I'm just an average dad. But a couple of years ago, uh, we lived in a house in Sunbury. And in this house, there was this big field behind us and this huge pond. And then there was this other huge field off to the sides. And there's a bunch of woods. And we had every animal known to man. And uh, my daughter Isla and I, we love animals. So we had a fox that would come every morning. Uh, there was deer that would come down to the pond. There was cats that would randomly show up. We had a groundhog that she named. She named him Chuck. We had all these awesome animals. And one day, this little toad came out. And she saw, my daughter Isla saw Mr. Toad and fell in love with Mr. Toad. And Mr. Toad and Isla became best friends. Every morning, Isla would walk out. And she would say, hello, Mr. Toad. And Mr. Toad would hop out of these flowers and, and sit by her foot. And she would talk to Mr. Toad. She built a home for Mr. Toad. She covered him with leaves. She dug a hole. She loved Mr. Toad. And one day, I was changing the oil on our Jeep. And I, I drove the, the Jeep. Uh, I have a Jeep Wrangler because, yeah, Jeep Wranglers. And so I drove it up into the garage. And I was changing the oil on it. And I saw out of the corner of my eye Mr. Toad come hopping into the garage, but I didn't think twice about it. So I changed the oil, pulled the Jeep out, and shut the door. And it was hot. Like, like last week was hot. It was hot. And I didn't really think about it, but that night Mr. Toad didn't come out to see Isla. And the next morning Mr. Toad did not come out to see Isla. And by that afternoon Isla was in tears begging God to please send Mr. Toad back. Then that night... She literally walked outside and began to holler, Mr. Toad, come home. We love you. And at that point, I was ready to go to the pet store and buy a toad. I would have caught a frog and painted it the color of a toad. I would have done anything to bring back Mr. Toad to her. She's my daughter and she's crying out for this toad. So that night she, she went to sleep 
And I walked out to the garage, and I wasn't even thinking about it, but I hit the garage door, and Mr. Toad came hopping out. And you better believe I ran inside, woke my daughter up, brought her out, and was like, Mr. Toad is here. Now listen, full disclosure, I I would have moved heaven and earth to bring back Mr. Toad to my daughter. And I'm just an average dad on a really good day. Most days, I'm a really bad dad, honestly. And I love my daughter so much that when she began to pray and ask God, please bring back Mr. Toad, that I would have moved heaven and earth. In this passage, Jesus speaks to the good father. And he says, I'm sending you, the church, us, into the world. Please sanctify them. Please make them holy. Please help them. I know it's going to be hard, but please do so. And do you think that God the Father, the good Father, would really say no to that? You say, I, I can't go and you can't send me. I'm not, I'm not good enough. God the Father made you whole. I can't do this, but God is with you. And you're not doing it. God is doing it through you. I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus. I get it. I'm not sure I can. I get it. I remember the time we decided to plant a church. It was me and seven friends in a jazzercise building. No money, no sending church. The church that was sending us publicly from the pulpit was like, man, we're going to invest in them. We love them. And then privately literally called us enemies and said, never come back here again. And that's how we decided to plant church in the wild. It was terrifying. And I began to really question like, God, can you do this? Can I do it? And I was reminded that God the Father is with us. You know, we just celebrated our 200th salvation in a jazzercise building because He's with us. The Father is with His Son in this passage, and He's with us. I find this to be really inspiring, but also on Father's Day, I think it's appropriate that I find it really challenging because John is all about Jesus, but every time we encounter the Father in the Gospel of John... We see him to be very present in the life of his son. And I find this to be challenging. I find this to be challenging to myself and also to our culture. Because I want to show you one verse. This is the last verse in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4 verse 6. Malachi 4 6. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. You know that after this verse, there's 400 years of silence before Jesus steps out and changes history forever. Now look around. I look around our culture. And I, I honestly, I'm, sometimes I'm like, man, we, we're, in, we're, in a, we're in utter destruction. We got natural disasters, We got every disaster known to man going on all at the same time. And I look around and I say, well, who can we elect to fix this? What laws can we change to fix this? And then I realize that the real issue is that there is a direct correlation to the utter destruction going on around us and the lack of true fatherhood in our nation nowadays. The rise in destruction has coincided with the decline in fathers who are present anymore. Look around at absolutely lost 
generations trying to do their best to figure out how do we fix this with no father example to show them the way. And I wonder in my life, am I absent? See, I think that today's fathers, there's dads who are physically absent. They just don't care enough to show up, truthfully. But I also think there's a lot of us, and I say us because it's myself included, who are practically absent. It's easy as a pastor to get so consumed with my sending that I forget that I'm sent first to my own family. And I know you well enough that I'm just going to confess that I'm not great at this. There are days when I'm like, hold on, I got to talk about this to my daughter who wants to spend time with me, who needs a man in her life. And listen, this is by no means a slight towards so many of you wonderful, amazing women who are doing your best to work a job, take care of your children, and drag your husband along with you. But it is a challenge to men that it is time to man up. It's time to grow up. I love every sport. I love all the movies. I love all of that. But our children are suffering. Our world is suffering. And we are so absent in their life. Well, hold on. Let me finish Call of Duty and then I'll talk to you, child. Because you are an eternal human being and I'm spending too much time on a game. We are so absent, men. And it is no coincidence that we see a rise in violence in young men who have no father figure in their life. It's time for us to turn our hearts back towards our children. How do we do this? Well, you can begin by turning your hearts back towards their mother. When's the last time your children saw you hold your their mom's hand and tell her that you love her? When's the last time they saw you? When's the last time they heard how much you love their mother? You can turn your hearts back towards God the Father. And this is the beginning of a path towards turning our hearts back towards our children. We say, well, I'll do that when I get this. You know what? When I get, when I get their education paid off, I will be a good dad and I will spend all of the time in their life. Worship team, if you're here, you guys can come up here. I'm going to tell this story and then close up. There's a temptation in all of us men to say, you know what? I will someday. When they're at a certain age, but I'll tell you this. My daughter, she loves this game that we play. It's called the stinky foot game. It's real classy. It's called the stinky foot game. What it is. Started when I used to change her diaper when she was just an infant. She will stick her foot up in the air when I walk by. And she will try to get me to smell her foot and tell her how disgusting it smells. And she wants me to like make, oh, it's so bad. Oh, this is gross. She wants me to just pretend like it's the most disgusting smelling thing ever. Some of you right now, you're like, I don't have to pretend. That's how it is. But she also then sometimes has me take those same feet and rub them on my beard, and then she like pretends like it's the worst thing ever. And full disclosure, dads, we get tired. We work. We get worn out. We have hard days. There's a lot of days where I don't want to do the stinky foot game. 
Here's the thing about those feet. This year, this fall, those little feet will walk into kindergarten for the first time in her life. And her life will change and so will mine. Someday, those little feet will walk down as she graduates high school. Her life will change and so will mine. Someday those feet will be sticking out the passenger side of a car, the window's down, there'll be some loser driving, he better have his hands at 10 and 2, he better be playing graves to garden. Her life will change and so will mine. Someday those little feet will walk beside me down an aisle. And there'll be some absolute jerk up there who I will have to pretend that I am excited. Who gives her away? Well, really no one. I don't even want her to talk to you. Like, you know, like I'll have to pretend, oh, her mother and I. And those feet will turn and walk away from me. And her life will change in mine. Someday those little feet will chase after other little feet. And someday, those little feet will stand at my casket as they lower it into the ground and they will turn around and walk off for the last time. And my fantasy football league will not matter. How many fish I caught will not matter. How many natty lights I drank will not matter. How many corny jokes, shows I watched, games I played will not matter. What will matter is that someday those little feet will walk up to me in heaven and I will welcome my daughter home. And that those little feet know that Jesus loves her and that her father loved her and that he was there for her. Cheer competitions, which make no sense. Soccer games where she picks dandelions. Everything in between. God has called us to represent Him as fathers. We need to be like Him and be present. He was present in the life of his son, and he is a very present help to you when you are in times of need. Oh, I can't go into the world. I, I can't tell people. I, no, he's with you. He's with you. And so right now, some of us are thinking, you know what? Maybe it's time that we man up. We begin to be present in the hearts of our children. You know why we have so much toxic masculinity in this world? Because we don't have enough godly masculinity to show the true way. It's time to get back to being present as fathers. It's time to turn our hearts back to our children, turn our hearts back towards their mothers, turn our hearts back towards God the Father. Now, I'm going to be nicer here because this is covenant and not church in the wild, but... This is as nice as I can say it here. Girls, if you're dating some loser who you have to drag to church all the time and he, I don't want to ever get married. I don't like the responsibility. Date up. Dump them. There is good guys out there who you don't have to beg 
to have some responsibility in their life. You don't have to work three jobs just to take care of their new car that they want. Guys, man up. It's time to grow up. Fathers, it's time to turn our hearts back towards our children. The first place that you are sent is to your home. And from your home, your family is then sent into the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are gracious, kind, loving, just, holy, and righteous. You are our Father. You have sent us, the church, into the world, but you have also sent us towards our own families. Lord, help us to be who you called us to be. Lord, help us to remind ourselves, Lord, regularly that our identity is in who you have made us. You have made us new. We have salvation through you. Help that to be our identity. Help sent to be our activity. Lord, help us to be present in the lives of those around us. And Lord, for those who don't have a father to look to for an example, Lord, help them to look towards you, the good father, and then surround themselves with other fathers in this church so that together we can be sent to our families in better and stronger ways. We ask that you will be glorified through everything today. In Jesus' name.